0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: Let's go to God in prayer as we begin our study together this morning. God, we thank you for the chance to be in your presence. We thank you for the opportunity to open up your word and to study this morning. We pray that we just pray that you will open our hearts, open our souls, God, to your spirit this morning that we will be convicted by your word and and that that conviction will lead to change and action in our life if it needs to, God. Help us just grow closer to you as we study. And it's in your son's name we pray, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, hold them up. If it's your phone, if you've got them, hold them up. Let's see them, let's see them now. Open them to the Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five as we continue in our study here of the uh, waking up. The, uh, the I love the book of Ephesians and especially what we're fixing to talk about because uh, in our life many times, especially in in church, all right, especially in church, sometimes you, you got you've got people that'll come in and they'll talk and they'll teach. And they'll preach about all the things that you need to do. They'll set the bar where it needs to be, right? They'll say, this is the life you need to live. This is the life you need to live. This is the life you need to live. And Paul has done a lot of that coming into this particular section, right? He starts out, you know, in chapter 1, talks about the greatness of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to get in to, you know, be imitators of God. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. He's going to, you know, live as a children of light. He's going to talk about the things we're supposed to do. And then we get into our particular passage today, starting in verse 15. And what I love about it is Paul is going, this is the bar. This is where it's set. This is where we need to live. This is where our faith should lead us to live at this point in our life. But what I love about it is he goes, and now I'm going to tell you how to accomplish that. I love the way that Paul does that in his writing. He just doesn't say, go be a Christian. He doesn't just say live this way, live to this standard. He goes, I want you to live to this standard, and I'm now going to give you some advice, some direction, and even some commands of how to accomplish that. It's 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 not like you know trying to put together you know, a big toy and, and not, you know, having instructions. Of course, not that many guys. How many of you are guilty of, I'm going to put something together for my kid and I'm going to look at the box, but not the instructions. Any of you guilty of that? And how well does that usually work? He's going, Hey guys, I don't have to look at the box. I'm giving you the instructions of how to do this. So I don't have them all bunched together, I don't think, but let's just read this section together. Hopefully you've got your Bible or a Bible close by, and then we're going to break them down and we're going to talk about some things from it. He starts out in verse 15, Ephesians chapter 5, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord, or in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so that's that's the entirety of our section but let's let's break it down and let's talk about some things together he starts out with this phrase in verse 15 be very careful then how you live be very careful then how you live and so I want you to just think for a minute about the world that we live in. We, we live in a challenging world, don't we? we? We live in a world that is full of sin. We live in a world that um, celebrates sin in a lot of different ways. Although in our world, there are still things that, um, that, that I like to call sacred cows, things that people haven't given up on being important. For the most part, still in our country, still in our world, when you make a commitment to marriage, that's a very important commitment. And, and when, when challenging things happen in that and, you know, that it's, it's, it's looked at in certain ways, it's, you know, marriage is still held up here at a pretty high standard for most people, but there's also a lot of things that used to be held right up there with it that have kind of, you know, it's just whatever you want to do now. But he says, look, in this world that we're living, he says, be very careful then how you live. And as I'm trying to think, what, what's he trying to get us to do? What's he trying to get us to understand? And, and what are we, what, what, what puts us in the framework here? My, my thought, and, and this, this maybe isn't the best illustration sometimes, but my thought is when, when you have, how many of you have dogs that live in your backyard? How many of you, when you have dogs that live in your backyard and you go outside, how do you walk outside? Very what? Careful. Watch where you step. Watch where you go. Otherwise, you're going to step in something, right? That's what he's telling us here. He's saying when you walk out into the world every day, be very careful. Look to your left. Look to your right. See what's going on around you. Don't just walk around this world with your head down just going, I'm just going to get through it. I'm just going to get through it. He says, be careful about it. Pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to the situations that are going on at work, the situations that are going on at school. Be aware of things that are going, don't just block everything out. You've got to live in it. We've got to be in the world. We can't be about the world, but we have to be in the world. So he says, as you're going through this, as you're trying to live and and meet the bar of faith that he's laid out, he said it starts by being careful with how you live. And so, what what does he mean by that? Okay, what, what does he mean by that? He goes, well, the way that you be very, the way you're very careful how you live or how you walk is as you do it not as unwise. But as wise, number one, making the most of every opportunity. So he starts out, okay, so to me, not as unwise, but as wise, go in it with eyes wide open, okay? Go in it aware, go in it alert, be ready. But then I love making the most of every opportunity. Another way you could think about that is is be intentional, with the way that you use your time be intentional with the way that you use your time i think a lot of us are guilty of being so busy that there's not room for god to come in and do anything because we're so busy already we fill our life with so much stuff we fill our schedule with so many things god's looking at us going well they're not going to be effective because they're too focused on themselves. We don't leave time in our life for God. We schedule time in our life for God, right? We schedule time for our life. We schedule time for church. We schedule time for this event. We schedule time for that event. But when you look in scripture, some of the most amazing things that God does with people and through people are not scheduled, they're not planned, they're not anticipated. God just shows up and he says, hey, we're going to do this. And if we're not intentional with our time of making sure that we are, are watching and looking and listening for those moments, then we're never going to experience those moments. Well, we might experience those moments, but they're going to feel more like running up against a brick wall than they are a spiritual encounter with God. Because I'm so busy and God's going to be like, stop. And it just throws everything off instead of God coming alongside and going, hey, let's do something fun. Let's do something great here. Let's do something wonderful. Let's do something spiritual. And when we're intentional with our time, when we're making the most of every opportunity in a spiritual direction, then we open up the door for God to come in and do amazing things that we never thought we could do, that we never thought he could accomplish through us. So he says, look, don't be careless. Don't be a fool. Pay attention to how you're living, because when you do that, God's going to be able to come in and do amazing things with you and through you. Otherwise, you're going to miss out. And he does not want that for us in our life. but I think there's also this idea of we have to be wise we have to be looking around He says because what's the next phrase? because the days are what? evil. when you live in a society that has a tendency to worship sin, he's saying the things that are going on around you can be evil. they can be and we have we have a lot of that in our country now I don't think we have a lot of that necessarily that we have to be face-to-face with in maybe small-town America, Haleville, Alabama. I mean, we've got our things that we deal with. Don't don't get me wrong. But some of the big things that we see on the news is not in our face day in and day out all the time, in our own lives, to to, to, to the degree that maybe the news says, or maybe that it is in other places. We're blessed by that. But he says, understand that he's talking to a group of people that lived in a world that's even more sinful than we are. Okay? that that they, they worshiped some sin that was pretty bad, that was, was pretty out there. And he's saying you need to pay attention or you're, you could fall into this. You could fall into this idea of worshiping sin. But then he goes on. He says, therefore, so here, here's the first command, if you will. Understand that it's the way you need to live. Now, here's a command of how to do it. And it's kind of interesting to me. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, maybe some of us need to be reminded this morning not to be foolish. Maybe that's where some of us are this morning. Don't be foolish in your life. Don't make... Stupid, un, uh, not really uneducated, but but unspiritual decisions. Don't don't leave God out of the equation when you're making the decision. When you're trying to figure something out, put God right in the middle of it. Don't leave Him out. That's being foolish. Leaving God out, thinking, "Oh, I can do this all by myself. I don't need any help." It's being foolish. He says, "But but, but rather, what we're we supposed to do? Understand what the Lord's will is." Now, this is an interesting word to me and an interesting command because the command is to what? Understand. Understand. Just know what God's will is. And when when I think about that, I think maybe on the surface, maybe Paul's asking us to do something that we really can't do. That's my first thought. It's the idea. How many of you remember, I don't know if if we have math teachers, how many of y'all still do this, but how many of you remember when we were in school and the teacher would get up and you would have your your book open, your textbook, which I don't believe we have textbooks anymore, and it really throws me off. But they go, okay, Matthew, I want you to come up to the board and work number one. Robbie, come up and work number two. You know, Gary, come up and work number three. And that scared me to death, okay? Like, Scared me to death. I, I can stand and talk to a room full of people for hours about nothing. But you call me to the board to work a, a math problem. I forget what one plus one is real quick. Okay, I'm a drummer. I don't count past four anyway, so it just really throws me off. And so you're up there, and to me, this is what Paul's doing on the surface. He's going, "Okay, Matthew, come up here and work number one." And Matthew's up here trying to work number one. He's really wishing that he wasn't up there at all. And I turn and look, and I go, "Hey, I, I, I can't do this. I don't understand." And he just looks at you and goes, well, understand. That's what Paul's doing right here, right? He's going, hey, don't be a foolish. Just understand what God wants you to do. And if you're a young Christian, that sounds really intimidating. Just know what God wants you to do. Even if you're a mature Christian, that can sound intimidating. Just just know what God wants you to do. Just understand it. You know, and, and you kind of put yourself in a place of a child and when you're like, hey, just do this, kid. Like, you know, just, just understand it and do it. Just just know it. And it feels like, oh, how in the world am I supposed to do that? What I think he's really trying to tell us, though, here is that he wants us to face up. and He wants us to accept the challenge of growing in our faith. He wants us to embrace what we know in our heart that God's will is for our life. He wants us to accept it. He wants us to admit, I know God has a plan. And I am here to live in it. I'm here to worship in it. I'm here to grow in it. I understand that God has something that he has called me to do. I don't necessarily always understand the process. But I'm here to be involved in it. I'm here to work through it. And I've got all these brothers and sisters around me to help me grow in that Understanding, so I think that's a great challenge for us, is to make sure that we put ourselves in a situation that we understand God has a plan for us, God has work for us, God has a hope and a destination for us that we're working toward. But we have to come into it and quit being foolish about it. Quit throwing up our hands and going, I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't. I don't. That's not. I want to go do this. God. God. If God's pushing you in a direction. Give into it and understand that he knows what's best for you and that he's going to help you grow. And that helps us to live carefully. That helps us to live wise. That helps us to take advantage of every opportunity. People are going to do everything. People in your life are going to do everything they can to push you away from the will of God. They are. People that are not children of God, people who are not followers of God, there's a lot of them around us. They are going to do everything they can to push you away from the direction you need to be going. And I think what he's trying to say here is don't give them any help. Don't be foolish like they are. Don't live in that direction. Don't give Satan any help in the process. You be committed to the will of God and work through that understanding and growing in your life. Then he jumps onto it, and now he's got to kind of start talking about maybe some foolish things versus not foolish things. He says, The next thing he says, Do not get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk on wine. This has been a verse, and, and, and I'll just be honest, I'll be real with you for just a moment. This is a verse I think many times in our life and in church that this is used more as a blunt object. Than a grace filled passage. And I think there is a lot of grace in what he's fixing to say when we understand what he's fixing to say. But he's going to tell us here for a second do not get drunk on wine. Now, I think at times we have used this passage with the exclusion of everything else that follows to try to make people feel bad, okay? And I'm not saying that we need to be going out and drinking. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we need to get drunk because Paul says it here. He's going to go into Galatians 5 and verse 19. He says, "...the act of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions... Uh, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I do think that we need to say, and we need to understand this morning, that if you're living that lifestyle, or really any of these lifestyles, right, you're not going to inherit what? The kingdom of God, these great good things. So we're not condoning this, but I think we have to be careful with what we say here and not make it a, a passage of condemnation because I don't think that's what he's doing. He's saying be wise here. This is a passage of wisdom. So don't get drunk on wine. Why not, Paul? Why do we not need to get drunk on wine? Which leads to debauchery. Now, raise your hand if you know what that word means. Okay. Don't you love it when the Bible does that? You find something like, I'm so convicted about this, and then the next word, I have no idea what that means, so my conviction's like, okay, well, I'll just move on to the next thing. And that's how we are with this a lot of time, this particular word. And I think that it's an important word for us to understand. This word in our life and in the Word of God means extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. Extreme indulgence which leads to a loss of control. So the question is, why do I not need to be drinking and getting drunk, right? Why why, why do I need to follow this? He says, because it leads to actions in your life that cause you to lose control. You allow something else in your life to become what defines your thoughts. It leads your actions. You lose control and you give it the control, okay? He says, so you don't want that particular lifestyle whether that's alcohol, whether that's greed, anger, food, material possessions, whatever it is, you don't need to give anything control of you. You don't need to live a a debauched life anywhere along the way. But to me, the last part is just as important as the first part. Instead, because here's what I think we've done. We've taught don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but we've not taught the next part. Instead, what does he say? Be filled with the Spirit. How much good does it do us to go, well, I don't drink, I'm not getting drunk, but yet not let the Spirit fill us up? What have we accomplished? We've not really accomplished anything. There's a lot of people in the world that don't get drunk on wine. But it doesn't mean that they're full of the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled, faith-focused life. What he's saying here is he says, it's important what you fill yourself with. It's so important what you fill yourself with. It's so important what you let guide you and lead you. And he says, instead of letting things of the world fill you up, instead of running after those things, and in this particular passage, he uses drunkenness. In the previous passage in Galatians, he gives us a big, long list. And I really think that you could take anything on that list and plug it in here, and it has the same effect. Okay? He says, don't let those things control you. Instead, as you're trying to live it, as you're trying to reach the bar of faith and you're trying to clear it, he says, let the Spirit be what fills you up every single day. As you go back to chapter 1, he says this about the Holy Spirit. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time with this. I want to remind you of it. We already talked about it. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So he tells us in these two verses, he says we're marked, we're sealed, we're guaranteed our inheritance of heaven, of eternity with God, as long as we're filled with the Spirit. What's the other side of that that he says in Galatians? If you practice these things, you're not going to inherit what? The kingdom of... Say that again. The kingdom of... God. So what you fill yourself with determines what you inherit from God. You've got to make that decision. What type of inheritance do you want? Because that's a decision you have to make right here right now and decide how you're going to live it. Are you going to live it in a way that fills you with the Spirit? and leads to being marked, being sealed, being guaranteed eternity, or you get to fill it with all these things from chapter 5 that lead to nothing. Because the world says all the things in, in chapter 5 of Galatians are, are great. God says they lead to nothing. So we have to make up our mind, be filled with the Spirit instead of all these other things that take control over your life. Now, what happens when I do all this? Okay, I, I love what he goes on and he's going to keep saying. He says all of this, when we're filled with the Spirit, should affect us in a couple of ways. Number one, when we're filled with the Spirit, it should affect our relationships with one another. When we're filled with the Spirit, he says we will speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit affects the way we communicate with one another. And I love the fact that he takes a group of words here and and uses them as definitions of our communication with each other and, and he does it in in the context of of music of, of singing you know he says our life should be full of these songs now i don't think he's saying that we should go around and be singing to every like we're not living in a musical right but i think the words that he uses here are so important he says that when we speak to each other we should be speaking to each other in um in the in what is he Where is he Where are we start here with with hymns? We'll start there. What is a hymn? A hymn is a song that gives honor. A psalm is a song of praise. A spiritual song uh, is something that is is a song that is of spiritual encouragement. Um, a hymn, a, a song of praise. So the uh, praise is a song of thanksgiving. So he's telling us in our life. Sorry, he's telling us in our life. He said when we speak to one another. Speak to one another in a way that honors one another, in a way that shows thanksgiving for one another, in a way that encourages each other spiritually. These things should overflow out of us as we communicate, as we live, as we encourage one another. If we're filled with the Spirit, then this should be one of the evidence of those things. How we treat, if you treat your brothers and sisters in ways that are contrary to this, Guess what you're not filled of? The what? The Spirit. You're not filled of it. But if you are, then this is the way you're going to interact with each other. So so he says that when we're filled with the Spirit, it should affect the way that we interact with one another. But he said it should also interact with the... It should should change the way we interact with God. So he keeps on going. (coughs) He says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this phrase, sing and make music from your heart, because it shows such a personal connection to God when we worship Him. And and, and I don't think this verse is just about right here and right now in this hour. I don't. I think it's about our life. I think it's about our life. We were in Kingston this weekend. And one of the beautiful things about Kingston, Tennessee, is it's uh, situated on, on a—it's situated in a place where three rivers kind of all intersect into each other. And so everywhere is kind of waterfront property, and they've got two parks on either side of town. And they're connected with a walking trail from, from one side of town to the other, all along the banks of the river right there. And when we lived there, that was my favorite place to walk, because especially in the evening, um, as it would cool off and the sun would begin to set, the sun setting over the water, it was just, it was a very spiritual place to be. And for me personally, I loved to sing. I loved music. And I would listen to praise songs while I walked a lot, because it it just was a way for for my love for God to overflow. That moment filled me up with God because of the creation that was around me. I'm filling my heart with songs and hymns and spiritual songs and psalms through those songs. And it is just, it is just filling up my soul and just help me come to God and worship in a more powerful way. He says, when you're full of the Spirit, you should be full of song. You should be full of all of that. And it should come from where? He said it should just come from deep down in your heart. It should be the most purest and at times maybe even the most raw emotion. That just lifts up to God and says, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for everything that you have done. With the Spirit in our life, when we let Him lead us, it affects the way we approach God. It fills us with song, and we lift that up to God, and it makes us so thankful. And we realize that everything we have is what? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful thing. What a a powerful reminder that as we're trying to live this life, if we'll just let the Holy Spirit have control, if we're watching where we're going, and to me, this, this is the two things. Be very careful. Watch where you're going. Pay attention to what's going on around you and be filled with the Spirit. And I really think, I really think, if we take those two things out and we carry them with us today, the rest of it falls into place. The rest of the things that he talks about, the rest of the things that he encourages us with, they fall right into step in our life because we're being careful. And when we're being careful, we're going to be wise. We're not going to be foolish. We're going to make the most of our opportunities. And when we're full of the Spirit, we're going to speak to each other in this way. We're going to worship God in a powerful way. So that's your challenge this week the rest of the year. A yearly challenge. You ready? 2023 challenge. You got like 10 days to do it, right? So let's make it easy. Bite size. Be careful. Be filled with the Spirit. Some of y'all need this this week going into family time. Be careful. Be filled with the Spirit. I get it. I understand. Powerful words from Paul. Let's read it together again. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen with me this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for our time. We thank you for this moment that maybe we can wake up in our life. To what you're calling us to do. The life you're calling us to live. To being spirit-filled in such an amazing way. Help us to be careful as we walk, God. Help us to pay attention to what's going on around us and live as lights everywhere we go. May your spirit fill us. May it season our conversation with grace and love. May we just lift our voices to you in praise every day, thanking you for all things. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: Thou art giving and forgiving, ever-blessing, ever-blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Be sure to join us again And until then Remember to love love like Jesus